And now to focus on commodities, the role that they play in this inflation discussion, Sal Gaberti joins us, president and CIO of Tecrium Trading LLC. Sal, it's good to have you with us and happy Friday to you. I want to begin with crude oil well off the war in Ukraine highs and a big part of why we're seeing inflation easing. Yeah, absolutely. Crude oil, you know, energy is the, the main driver of commodity-driven inflation. And with crude oil going down, um, I, I actually think all commodities are pretty much in a slump right now because producers have responded. When you see price spikes like we had last year, commodity producers do what they do best, and that's produce. It's taken them a year to get over logistical problems and, and some supply chain issues, but everybody's hitting full stride in terms of their efficiency and production. You see all of these commodities being produced as as much as they can and and crude oil being under pressure is really going to help again commodity driven inflation which i think is gone i don't i don't think you're going to be blaming commodities for for inflation anymore at least not for the next year or two if we could just pull this chart here because uh we saw the run-up well the chart i just showed was from 123 down we were talking about the highs from this time last year but this is the war on ukraine spike high up to 130 and again you can see the declines you can see the significant run-up into that high and again how we've uh, paired uh those price levels here significantly here but you know it's not just crude oil i mean one could argue natural gas we saw arbob sal which really wasn't participating to the downside recently but it started to roll over and come off amidst some of those concerns about demand and uh, growth here in the U.S. globally for that matter, but uh, ultimately still kind of range bound here in crude though, 63 to 85. It is, and it's interesting. You mentioned Arbob because we have a lot of new refining capacity entering the world in the next year, and that's really big because it's rare to have new refineries come on. Refineries are actually being expanded even in the United States. Some very large refiners are coming on in, in Europe and the Middle East in particular. So that will increase demand for crude oil, but that is going to um, hurt the, the crack margins. It's gonna, mm -hmm. You're going to see the products uh, under some price pressure. And I think that, that the, the crude oil... You know, there's enough crude oil right now, and everybody knows it. So as the product prices come down and demand goes down, um, is, is flattening, as people can see, I, I think crude oil stays sideways at best, and I, I think the product prices roll over. Another product we've been keeping a close eye on, obviously tied to trucking and transportation. Ultimately, you've got diesel, you've got heating oil, which has been in quite the decline as well here. Let's talk a little bit about grains, though. A big day in terms of the WASDA report. What are you watching in terms of beans, wheat, and corn, Sal? We're looking at WASDE coming out. So this is a big report in May because it's the first look at the 23-24 crop year. And we, we expect there to be um, record production around the world predicted. If, if you know, Tucrium's baseline case uh, at the end of last year was for grains to head back toward their cost of production. Again, farmers are like every other commodity producer. They produce, they respond. Farmers are resilient. You, you can see production coming on. You will probably see today record corn and record soybean production projected for both North and South America. And that's that's a very big deal. We see corn corn expectations of corn going above two billion on inventories. That's a milestone. We haven't been there for quite some time, and we, we need to keep raising that because, of course, corn usage is going up. But significantly, soybeans with the Argentine drought, we've had a big hit to soybean production this year. But next year, we should project South America at trend line at baseline. That means record production of corn and soybeans around the world. 
You know, I, I just had CORN up. If we could pull the chart, uh, SOYB, uh, Tecrium's soybean ETF hasn't really suffered, hasn't seen the declines in terms of what we've seen as far as coin. Can you speak to that divergence as far as corn? It looks like in the, well, let me just pull that back up. Here's SOYB. Again, this is Tecrium's uh, soybean ETF. Here's CORN is the symbol. And here you can see what's going on with CORN versus soybeans. Corn, you've seen a lot of cancellations of orders from China okay. because they're expecting a very healthy uh, Brazilian corn crop. So China's going to go to where the price is cheapest. Um, we're expecting, again, projections of a record corn crop this year and next. So in, in the United States, we've got plenty of corn. We're going to build inventories for the first time in a while significantly. That's pretty bearish for the corn market. Soybeans have held well because of the drought in Argentina. I mean, Argentina's production is down almost by half. They're, they're down 40-something um, percent in terms of production because of the drought. And they are the largest exporter of soybean meal and oil. And that, that has affected things. That said, weather should straighten out. You will see a giant production snapback from, from Brazil and from Argentina next year. So what you've got is, is North American crops, good planting season. Uh, it's been very good this week in terms of a planting window. That's put pressure on prices, especially corn. Soybeans, again, um, we're expecting a record crop out of Brazil. And once the Brazilian crops begin to be harvested, which, which is right now for soybeans, and once you, you see the North American crops in, and we've got very good planting pace, you're going to get very healthy, robust projections for production. And that's going to keep prices under pressure and headed toward their baseline. Quick look, speaking of a baseline, uh, SOYB, as I distance myself a little bit from that daily time frame and look at the weekly, you can see, wow, what a trend to the upside consolidating here. I mean, this is overlapping rotational. This market is much like indicative of the other products we've been looking at very much. So waiting for more information and balancing quite a bit. As I look here, corn, Sal, I mean, we're right back to a key level here in CORN at this 22-23 level. It's the highs that we saw back in March of 2021. I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, this is definitely something to keep an eye on in the coming days here as we'll watch. But, you know, tying this to the bigger picture, you've got Putin's war on Ukraine, still a dynamic, involving environment, to say the least, uh, making the market still very much susceptible to headline risk. I, I was talking about it this morning. I think we've gone kind of callous to the fact that this is still a, a very volatile situation. And, well, ultimately, part of what the Fed has to deal with should tempers flare, should things kind of reignite and ultimately commodity prices. Uh, reflect that. That's right. And again, you still got a hot war going on. So anything can happen in terms of headlines. That said, there's plenty of wheat in the world. Russia has a, a record near, they've got record inventories. They're, they're almost 80% above their five-year average in terms of wheat inventories on the ground right now. And they have a harvest starting in about eight weeks. And so the, Russia needs to move that grain. We think there will be a grain deal. Russia can agree to the deal, keep moving its grain and attack Ukraine to degrade their export uh, abilities and that they've shown no reticence in doing that they have no problem in doing that they will continue doing that so russia does what russia does best and that is they they bluff and bluster right before the the uh, renewals of each of these deals to see what they can get if they can't get anything they still renew it's in their interest to renew they have more wheat to export than anyone else you know as i'm looking at these two products here i just want to remind our viewers because i think this is a pretty good side-by-side -side comparison here i've got weat on the left that's 
that's the TKRAM ETF. I've got the futures on the right here. Sal, before we let you get out of here, we've got about a minute left. Can you just speak to a few of the products that you offer here in terms of, I like to remind our viewers, they're not a proxy to the futures contracts, but definitely provide different avenues and different access to uh, voice your opinion. That's right. And our, our funds, like the wheat fund and the corn fund and the soybean fund, they provide access to uh, market exposure. They hold the futures. So our wheat fund holds wheat futures. It will move with the wheat futures that it holds, but it trades on the New York Stock Exchange easily in an ETF format. So it's readily available to investors and advisors who, who use it very frequently for both trading and, and portfolio diversification reasons. We've also come out with two AI funds that are long short. If you, if you want the exposure to agriculture, um, you can get it in our OAIA fund, which is a long short fund powered by artificial intelligence and that that is designed to try to make money in in all markets up and down so we'll see how that goes that's a new fund we've got uh the uh oaia here right now and uh we can see again it looks like this was launched end of december was it uh into the beginning of the new year it's come off quite a bit so sal we'll keep an eye on this we appreciate you sharing part of your friday morning with us here on the td ameritrade network sal gaberti president and ceo of tkrium trading llc